0: This is my favorite time of year. Yeah, you know, I love Christmas stuff. Uh, you know, Baxendale's. You know, this time of year they they have quite the display. I have to say, and and you know when 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 I get back to Fort Worth because I'll, I'll I'll drive to Vegas tomorrow and fly out Tuesday. You know, there's a number of places that have a lot of Christmas displays. When I get to DFW and and I'm gonna visit a lot of those places. You know after seeing my folks and everything. But, but you know, um, this time of year is more than about lights and presents and a lot of the stuff that people say that Christmas is about. And, you know, when you get to the core of what it's actually about, well... This is part of it right here in Ephesians chapter 2. So let's take a look. Verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in sons of disobedience, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with, with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we are just so thankful for, for all the ways in which you've blessed us. But, Lord, we are so especially thankful for the gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and what he did for us on the cross. Lord, help us to remember these days and, and every day of the year, all that you have given us, all that you have done for us, and all that you are continuing to do through us in Christ. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to him. Help us, Lord, to glorify him in all that we say and do. These things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you know, um, Bill covered um, the last part of chapter 1 last week, and I'd like to... Read just a little of that before we, we dive into our, our, our section of scripture this morning because I, I, I think it helps give us some perspective. So in verse 20, chapter 1, verse 20, it says, says of God that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, they this is the church in in Ephesus that he's writing to, and one of the things that you have in Ephesus is you have the temple of of Artemis. And in Ar- in Ephes- Ephesus, one of the things that you have is you have this this system of of worship that that's that's going on that pervades every aspect of Ephesian society. And these people have bought into the worship of these demonic powers. These people have bought into all of these lies of Satan. One of the other things you see in Ephesus is you have a population they estimate to be between ten and twenty thousand Jews. And one of the things that's clear when you look at the the, the entirety of this letter and in and, and most of the New Testament, is that you have these churches. And this church in Ephesus is a mixture of those who are Jewish and those who are not. And one of the things that, they're, that they all are concerned with is, well, they're, they're concerned with all of the, 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 the demonic activity, the spiritual activity that's going on there. And so one of the things that he says here. In verse 21, after he talks about Jesus being placed at the right hand of the Father, he says that he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And what he's saying is, it doesn't matter what level of, of angelic power that you're dealing with, what demonic power you're dealing with. Jesus Christ is superior to all of them. God has placed him above all things. And it's in light of this that he begins to talk about our spiritual state before we came to Christ. And he says in chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? Okay? Let's get one thing straight. You weren't merely sick. You were dead. Okay? So just in case anybody's got any misconceptions, No, you didn't just have problems. You didn't have peccadilloes. You were hopelessly lost in your sins. You had no ability to save yourselves. You know what you can do when you're dead? Nothing. Nothing. And here's the thing. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. See, since Adam, sin came into the world. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 5. Now let's go to verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and and, and who was that man? Adam. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, (coughs) so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin sin indeed was in the world before the law, was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. See, we are all in Adam. We are all Adam's descendants. And just as he sinned, we sinned. And just as he had no ability to save himself, neither did you or I. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 2. Paul states this again. And you, chapter 2, verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trans- trans- transgressions and by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumph overing them in him. In Jesus Christ, we have life. In Jesus Christ, we have great victory. We have, we have hope. You know, sometimes I look around at some of the things happening in this world, and, yeah, it can be pretty discouraging. But if you have Jesus Christ today, you have reason to hope. Back to Ephesians chapter 2. And you are dead in in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It says we walked, before we came to Christ, we walked in our sins and in our transgressions, meaning that was our everyday way of life. He says that we are following the course of this world. Let's take a look by what he means when he talks about the world. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. Now let's go to verse 15. Do not love the world, okay? And he's not talking about the physical world. The word that they use in both of these passages is the word cosmos. It means system. It means order. And he says in 1 John 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its lust, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And here's one of the things about the world, this this fallen system. It leads you away from God. It causes you to focus only on the here, only on the now. And it causes you to focus on all the wrong things. This world system is corrupt. It is evil. Let's take a look at James chapter 4. Now let's take a look at verse 4. You adulterous people! Do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Huh? Huh? It's enmity with God. Folks, you and I should not be thinking, should not be living, should not be acting like those who are in this world. We should be thinking about, well, we should be thinking primarily about Christ we should be thinking about the plans that he has for us, the things that he wants for us to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the prince of the power of the air. What it's talking about is in in Jewish thought, and you see this in a lot of Jewish writings, they had this idea that these fallen angelic powers, that these demons, that they inhabited the the air. That this was, was their realm. This was their domain. And that they rule this world. Let's take a look at a few more scriptures. Let's take a look at um, John. And let's take a look at verse 12. Chapter 12, I'm sorry. Now let's take a look at verse 30 Jesus answered this voice has come not has come for your sake not mine now this is the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out who's the ruler of this world Satan He is the prince of the power of the air. Let's take a look at John chapter 14. Let's take a look at verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Let's take a look at John chapter 16. Let's take a look at verse 11. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. You know, um, they had this idea that he inhabited the air. And that basically they had rule over us. Something else. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, one of the things you find in Jewish thought is you you find that you have the sons of the covenant who are faithful, you have the sons of light who are faithful. And in contrast, you had the sons of disobedience or the sons of this age. The sons of this age, because they're only living for the here and the now. Folks, you and I should be thinking about eternity. Eternity. Not to the exclusion of the present, but our focus should be an eternal focus. But we were like these people. We walked in our sins and transgressions (coughs) following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's where we were. <laughs> and if that's not bad enough, verse 3 says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature... Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You know, one of the things I find interesting here is he talks about our passions. You know, a lot of people will tell you today, you should follow your passions. Bad idea. Bad idea. You know the word passion is never used in a positive light in the New Testament. And you know, before we came to Christ, yeah, that's what we did. We followed our passions. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And as a result of that, We were destined for wrath. Yeah, that's where your passions take you. That's where the lust of the flesh takes you. That's where the lust of the eye takes you. That's where the pride of life takes you to destruction. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and few there are who find it. One of the things it says here is it says that the way is broad and the way is easy that leads to destruction. By the way, um, the further east you get, it seems like pretty much every, te- every town has a, a Broadway Baptist church or something like that. Broadway is probably not a good name for a church. Just saying. But one of the things it says, the way is broad and the way is easy that leads to destruction. The word for leads in the Greek word is the word apagusa, And it carries the idea of one who's in chains and you are being dragged off to your execution. And if you are following your passions, if you are following your lusts, if you are going the way of this world, that's exactly what's happening. You're being dragged off to your eternal execution. And you don't even realize it. One of the things he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, is he says, And we were by nature children of wrath. In other words, because of our sin, we were headed for the judgment of God. We were destined for a day of judgment. For a day of God's wrath upon us. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 1. Verse 18. For the wrath of God. Is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And it's interesting, we live in an age, we live in a culture where people do not want to hear the word of God. They do not want to hear the truth. And to the degree that people don't want to hear the truth from God's word, they are storing up wrath for themselves. Let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, chapter 1. Hmm. Wrong verse there. First Thessalonians, chapter 5. Sorry. Verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saves us from the wrath that is to come to all those who who do not belong to him. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, We were among all of those sons of disobedience who we once lived in the the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Okay. This is a pretty sad state of affairs. We were full of trespasses and sins. We were dead in these things. We walked according to the course of this world. We followed the way of Satan. We were the sons of disobedience. We were fulfilling our lusts, our passions. And like everybody else, we were headed for judgment. And our situation was hopeless. We were headed for death. We were headed for hell. We had no hope. Verse 4. But God... But God, (laughs) folks, he'd have been perfectly righteous if he let all of us go straight to hell. But he's so full of grace. He is so full of mercy. And he looked down upon you and upon me And he saved us at a very high cost. The cost of his son is death on the cross. But God, being rich in mercy, you know what we mean by mercy? By mercy, what we mean is that he does not give us what we deserve. Not only is he full of mercy, he is full of grace. And by grace, what we mean is he gives you what you do not deserve. We deserve death and hell. He doesn't give that to us. We don't deserve to be his children. We don't deserve to go to heaven. But if you are in Christ, that's what he has for you. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Let's take a look um, at Exodus chapter 34. Let's take a look at verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. It says here that our God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We don't deserve these things but we have them nonetheless because of how great a God he is, how great a salvation he's given us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Just as he raised Christ from the dead, he's going to raise you and me as well. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 again. Let's take a look. Starting with verse 15. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards all the saints... And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And folks, what he has in store for you and for me is that you and I will be seated with him. Verse 6 again says he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, in Jewish thinking, there were two ages. There's this present age, which is an age of darkness, an age of sin. And then there was the age to come. And in this coming age, it would be a day of light. It would be a day of hope it'd be a day of the glory of God. And in between those two ages was going to be a time of great tribulation. And the thing that he has for you and for me, he has, instead of wrath for us, he has this day of glory appointed for us. A day when we will be seated with Him. And a day in which He will be able to show the immeasurable riches of His grace. See, this life, the best it gets is only so good. The best it gets. And those good times are fleeting. This life is a veil of tears. Folks, if you belong to Christ, you should not be hoping for this life. I mean, look, we, we should strive to do our best in this life. But you know, the thing is, our possessions lie in eternity. Our hope lies in eternity with Christ. And we should live in light of that. In light of all that he is going to do. And and, folks, We cannot imagine all that he's going to do for us, all that he has done for us, all that he is going to show us in eternity to come, all that he's going to show us in this new age. It's far beyond what we can imagine. You know, it pales to say that it's going to be great. It, there really aren't any words for it. But in the coming ages, he's going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Folks, this is what Christmas is really about. It ain't about the gifts. It ain't about the lights. It ain't about all the pageantry. It ain't about all that other stuff. We got the gift of all gifts in Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 1. Let's start with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before. These pages are thin, hard to turn. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. will save his people from their sins. This is why he came, to save us from our sins. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of of the salvation that he has given us, that he came, that he lived, that he was born as a child, just as you and I, that he lived a life, a full life, but he was crucified on the cross for your sin and for mine. To give us a great salvation. Folks, once again, this is what Christmas is all about. And as we go through this next week, I hope you that you will keep these things in mind. And that you and and I that we would remember to give glory to God for all that he has given us in Jesus Christ. The great salvation that he's given us. Let's pray. Lord, we are so very thankful that you did everything for us that you're giving everything to us. Lord, help us to keep our eye fixed on eternity and not just the here and the now. Lord, help us walk in accordance with your spirit. Lord, help us to walk in accordance with your love. Lord, help us to glorify your holy name in all that we say. And in all that we do, these things in Jesus' name we pray, amen.